morning. It's a sweet time to be in his presence, and, and we're going to talk about his presence some more today. We've been in the uh, book of Acts for the last month or so, and we will continue there today because we're only in chapter 3. <laughs> you know, the importance of the book of Acts is um, very important to us that go to any church. Yeah, us as New Testament church, because we are a New Testament church as defined in the book of Acts. We ought to be. And so that's why it's important that we go through it and we know what is a New Testament church, what is the church that Christ established. So that's why we're going through the book of Acts. And a lot of it was what we were doing this morning. What you'll find is in the book, they talk about Acts as the Acts of the Apostles, Things that they did, but others might refer to the book of Acts as the Acts of the Holy Spirit. And what we were able to experience this morning was the presence of God and the Holy Spirit that's with us now. So I I have a few stories I'd like to share with you this morning, but before we get to that, let's read the Bible. Uh, We're going to be in Acts chapter 3, verse 11, and I'm going to do a lot of reading here to start, and so I'd ask that you would stick with me. We're going to go from verse 11 through the end of the chapter. To frame up this, what has happened was something incredible, actually. Well, everything's been incredible, actually. But the... uh, Believers had come together and they were worshiping the, the, the Holy Spirit. There was this time of Pentecost uh, where the Holy Spirit had come upon them. And they were filled in the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in a new tongue. And then, but throughout this, they were very, their community and unity was a big deal. And they had come together and they were all one. Like we were this morning, just worshiping and going after God and telling Him how much we love Him. They were doing that over and over again. And because of of that, their obedience to, to worship God, because that's what they were created to do, the Holy Spirit came upon them. And then, the, and then it gave opportunity as the Holy Spirit moved in, in and amongst His creation to go out and, and speak truth about Jesus and the fact that Jesus died for them. So then what had happened is Peter and John were walking to the temple at the Gate Beautiful. They encountered the man I had talked about last week, and, and he had been lame. Since birth, and he was there begging. And they said, silver and gold have I none, but yet what I have give to thee. We sing the song, silver and gold have I none, bump, bump, but what? But what's the rest of it? But what I have give to thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And then here's the fun part. Here we're walking and leaping and praising God, walking and leaping and praising God. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Now, I know there's some of you here that remember that, right? Boy, I'm out of breath, and I just jumped off the step. I'm going to have to start running more. Old age. We're going to age gracefully together, Robbie. So anyhow, they, so this man is healed and it's an incredible event. And what was, here's some truths that I've noticed. 
is at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came down on the people that had gathered together there. It was a commotion which caused other people to take notice and try to check out what was going on. And then this man was healed because the Holy Spirit healed him. And then there was this commotion. And guess what happened? People came to check it out. And so uh, Peter wants to get their attention. And that's where we're at in verse 11. While he, the man that was healed, the lame man, after he got done walking and leaping and praising God, he clung to Peter and John. All the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified this servant. Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him, but you denied the Holy Spirit, or you denied the Holy and Righteous One, and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong whom you see and know, and the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brothers, I know that you act in ignorance, as did also your rulers, but what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that for every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came from after him also proclaimed these days. Verse 25, you are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your offspring shall, be, shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Last verse, God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. This is the event that took place that day where Peter comes as they enter into the temple and and I imagine as they walk from the gate and Peter and John are there and and I almost see the the three of them walking in together because the layman's now walking with them and they get into the portico and they're standing there and everybody's watching. They were actually in awe. in, In one part it says in verse 11, they were utterly astounded and utterly has nothing to do with cows in this verse. It has everything to do with they were completely shocked, right? Completely shocked that, that this man that they had been passing by is now healed. And then it's the Holy Spirit prompts Peter, hey, now we've got their attention. Now we've got their attention, so now share with them the truth. Share the truth with them. And, and, and this is the opportunity that that we have as a church, because keep in mind, 
the New Testament church is this church in Acts. So how does this relate to us? Well, as we're going out and doing as Peter and John did, and the Holy Spirit is using us, and people begin to take notice, guess what? Take that as an opportunity to share truth. What kind of truth? What kind of truth should we be sharing with them? Well, he had some truth to share with them. There's some hard truth to share. The title of today's message, for those that take notes or text on their phones, I'm watching my wife, but anyhow, um, here's my title. It's called Repent, Redact, and Refresh. Now, why is that? This is, this is really what we're to share as a truth. When, when given the opportunity, because you're letting the Holy Spirit use you, this is the truth He wants you to reveal to people. See, Peter had gotten done at, early on in his message to these folks. He's explaining to them that, hey, look, Jesus was here. And you denied him. You had an opportunity to embrace him, but you denied him. In fact, you did more than deny him. When given an opportunity to save his life, you still wanted him murdered. Now, God was going to fulfill that anyhow, but you played a role in that. They were out of line. Now, what it, who are these people he's talking to? These are the people that would go to the temple um, to pray uh, it was a social place, too. They would get together to talk to one another. And in Solomon's portico, a lot of times what happened there, uh, rabbis would teach their disciples in the portico. They'd get together and they'd start learning about the, the uh, Pentateuch, the first five books of, the, of what we call our Bible. You know, and so they would get together and start discussing theology and, and learning the ways of, a, of a, what a Hebrew man should be, how he should be living so these weren't people that were just murdering and killing and, and, and carrying on and, and just sinning openly. These were people that were trying to live a disciplined life for the most part. Yeah, there were others there that were probably not necessarily trying to live a good life, but we're talking about people that probably were pursuing what they thought was right in the day. But these were the same people that denied Christ. So then he gets to this verse, and really the crux of the message today is in verse 16, or pardon me, verse 19. Um, we're 16, we're, verse 16, let me tell you a little bit about it. I'm kind of getting off track, but I want to point out the fact that 16 is very important. Because this is where he tells them that in his name, by faith in his name, whose name? Jesus' name. By faith in Jesus' name, this man has been healed. Now, the importance is, that is not, we just sang in a, in a great time of worship here, we were encouraged just to say his name, Jesus. Now, growing up as, a, as a, a kid, we would sing songs like, Jesus loves you, this I know, or the Bible tells me so. There was other songs, Jesus, 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 there's just something about that name. Master, Savior, Jesus, like the fragrance after the rain. I'll stop there. But that, that name Jesus, 
it's more than just a five-letter word because when they talk about a name, they talk about the very essence of that person. See, in that time, your name meant that's who you are. I know as our kids are being born and we would talk about the name of our children, Dina was, I was less, I kind of liked what the sound of it was important to me. For her, the meaning was important, which I'm thankful for my wife because that, I'm glad to know that the names of our children have more meaning to it than just they sound good. But a name is very important and in that time was extremely important. And so it wasn't the five-letter word Jesus that healed the man. It was faith in the essence of God that healed the man. It was faith of, of who actually God was. It says in Hebrews that Jesus was an exact imprint of his father God. Jesus was God in the flesh. And it was faith in Jesus, everything that Jesus represented, that healed that man. It's not, it's not one of those things where we can just say Jesus and they'll be healed. It's having faith in everything that Jesus did that we find healing, that we find freedom. And so he's telling them, and his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. And then verse 17, and now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. Ignorance in that you, you still went after Jesus. You still made sure that he was crucified. But, God, but what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. So God had already said this was going to happen. You participated in it, participated in it, and it occurred. Then verse 19, and this is the tough one. Because this is the word, when I think of, as a young child, I'd hear messages that were the, the hellfire and brimstone type messages. You know, turn or burn, repent, for the day draweth nigh. You know, you start, so when you see this word repent, it's like, well, that's for that dirty, rotten sinner. But who was he talking to in the temple? He was talking to good people that were pursuing a religious way. And he's telling them to repent. See, the, the idea of repent is this, is to turn back to God. Which means then our focus was turned away from God. And so if, if I'm to turn back to God, then for me to repent, me, my thought was always that I must have been going this direction. And that's been taught to me, that, that I've been going this way, and so I need to repent and turn and pursue God again. But I want to encourage all of us to repent. And, and someone say, well, but I'm not walking away from God. No, it says turn back to God, which means I may not be running from Him, but I might be deviating slightly away from Him. And what's deviation look like? Deviation is if I'm, if I'm walking a straight line and I just turn one degree, by the time I get to the back of that room, I won't be going out that door because I'll be slightly off. And so, so what I'm encouraged as I read this is, Doug, repent. What are the areas in your life that are slightly off, not pursuant of God? Well, it's the flesh in me. I desire things in the flesh that really distract me from the Lord. 
And when I desire the things in the flesh that distract me from God, then I'm not going to be able to experience the fullness of what God has for me. So I need to repent, turn back to God, and pursue what he has for me. We, uh, out at our house, we live in the country, and for some reason where we sit, we can't get anything when it comes to, like, internet service. No, there is no wave. You name every company, no, we cannot get that. But there's this little-known company I just discovered called Winters Broadband, from Winters. So it, it wasn't cheap, but we finally were able to get them to come out to our house and install internet. Caleb's like, yeah, internet. So, um, so they came out to our place this week to install this internet, and they were saying, wow, you guys can get a lot of data here. I mean, you, you got a lot of speed. It's going to be fast. It's going to be great. And, and so, great, well, let's do that. But you have a problem. And what's the problem? You have trees. Your trees get in the way. And so, so but if we charge you more money and put, put it on another building and then shoot it from that building to your house, then you can get a good signal, a direct line, and then you'll have what you want. So, so that was like three months ago, and after saving, we finally got them to come out. So now we have it. But, but as I was thinking about this, there was all this internet capability available to us, but there was things in the way. It, it, it's the same way in our life with the Lord. We have all this that's available to us, but there's things that get in the way. And what happens is that we're pursuing him, and then we turn slightly, we get distracted slightly by whatever this is, and we start going after it, and then before long, we end up over here, and we have trees in the way. And, and then we're not able to receive all that he has for us. So, so what Paul is telling, or Peter is telling the, the, the people in the portico, in, the, in Solomon's courtyard, or whatever you want to call that, colonnade, he says, repent, put your eyes on Jesus. Put your eyes on Jesus. And so all of us, I would say, what is the area of our lives that we need to repent of and set our eyes on Jesus? Not so we can be known as dirty, rotten, repentant sinners. No, that's not what it is. And here's how come I know that's not what it is, because the next part the next part says, repent therefore and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out. That's that word on the front of your bulletin with a line through it that says redact. When I hear, hear blotted out, I think of a redacted document. A redacted document. Have you ever watched TV and maybe it's got some sort of a government... I'm going to redact my notes. So, a redacted document is a document that has facts in it, but certain facts are blacked out. So you can't even see them anymore. It's as if they weren't there. Oh, he got it to work. That's a redacted document. See, that's what's so awesome about repentance, is when we repent, then the things that was causing us to deviate or be distracted or prevent us from experiencing everything that God had for us are blotted out, are blacked out as if they never existed. Now, the fact of the matter is, back in those days, they would write on papyrus. Uh, papyrus? And why does that not sound right? It sounds like papaya and I'm hungry. No. Um, 
They would write on papyrus, and it, they didn't use an ink necessarily that had acid that would sink into it. So they could literally take it, because the ink would just set on top of the paper. They could just blot it out, wipe it completely away, as if it was never there. Today, we, when we blot out a redacted document, you can send somebody the facts, and I now have a new story. See, when, when we repent, he rewrites the story. He rewrites your story as if you had never sinned. Your sins become blotted out. They are removed from the legal document of your life. That's what's so exciting about repentance. I used to think, oh, repentance. Here's why. You can take that down, Caleb. But repentance for me was this. I had an early on experience, and, and I'm seeking counseling for it. But I'm, I'm not. But um, <laughs> I used to go to a little Christian school here. Little. It was an awesome Christian school. It was powerful. Right? We've had some, right? We've been there. Liberty Christian Academy. Now, Liberty Christian Academy taught us a lot about a responsibility, um, good, solid character. There was a lot to be learned there. But it also, we had opportunities to cheat. Get an amen? Amen? And... It, and uh, for some reason, I got caught. I got caught cheating. And I was so upset. Oh, you think about getting caught. You know, you're in the midst of sin and you get caught. And you know what? When you're in the midst of it, it's not so bad. But when you get caught, it's really bad. And I remember thinking, there's no way I'm not that guy. I'm not a cheater. So as I'm sitting before my dad, very repentant and bawling my eyes out, because I'm in trouble, because I'm in front of dad now, I'm like, dad, it wasn't me, it was the devil made me do it. <laughs> I'm serious, it was the devil that made me do it. And, and, and he's looking at me like, Douglas Paul? No? You did it. No, the devil made me do it. I was so incensed that it was the devil that made me do it. But I had gotten caught in a place that was outside of the will of the Lord. The, God's will for our lives is in the big things and in the small things. His will was for me to not cheat. And so, because of his divine intervention and the teachers knowing my parents very well... Intervention occurred because Doug was not going to grow up to be a cheater. And so I just remember then at that point in time, I had to have a repentant heart. I had to decide at that point in time, I was no longer going to cheat. I was going to enter into a place of learning. We can cheat our way through life. We can go through life and say, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. And kind of just cheat your way through it and not actually stop and learn what it is to be a Christian, what it is to be a believer, to really have a relationship with God. And, and so for me, I had to become repentant. I had to line back up again. Did I fail again? I'm sure I did. Josh is laughing. He's saying, sure you did. I'm your brother. I watched you. But I had to line back up again, and then I would fail, and then I would line back up again. But you know what? If I wasn't telling you the story... Other than my dad, you wouldn't know that. And my teacher, 
Because when I repented, that sin was blotted out. It was redacted from my story. That's true for all of us that choose to enter into a life of repentance. Now, I struggle with messages like this because when I say a life of repentance, I start to picture somebody that walks around like this all the time. Being really repentant, really humble, face drawn. I'm living a repentant life. I'm related to Eeyore. Oh my. That's not a repentant life. Because a repentant life doesn't have the negative stuff in your story anymore. But then he goes on and says, verse 20, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. A repentant life is one that says, I'm going to turn and focus myself back on God again. I'm going to forget that I even did that. I'm not going to relate to that anymore because, quite honestly, you can't prove it because it's been redacted from any legal document of my life. That is not even a part of who I am. I'm focusing on God. And as I focus on God and I enter into his presence, I am refreshed. Who wants to be refreshed? Have you been in a place where you're just tired and worn out? It's the same thing over and over again. You feel like the the hamster on the wheel. You're just running through life and the scenery never changes. It's just you're going and you're going and you're like, what is the purpose? Well, the reason you ask what is the purpose of this life is because you're not experiencing the fullness of it. If you're asking God, well, what is it you want from me? Well, then repent. Make sure you're focused on him. Forget about the sins in your life as you repent of them and enter into his presence. Maybe you'll stay on the wheel for a while, but if you're in his presence, it won't matter because as you're running, he'll reveal to you purpose. He'll reveal to you call. He'll start to give you comfort in the midst of storm. I heard a lot about this over the weekend as I went to the ladies' retreat. And, you know, they were talking about peace in the middle of the storm or not going through the storms alone. And, and that's all truth. So what's the message for today? Repent. Repent of what? That you have to answer. You say, well, I don't know. I don't know what it is that I'm doing. i got so much going on in my life, I would be repenting forever. Or maybe you say, you know, I, I, I think I'm living a pretty good life. But I will tell you, it's not for Christians around you or for me to point out what you're doing wrong. It's for you to pray and ask God to reveal to you, God, what are the areas in my, lives that, in my life that has, that has cropped up like trees that is, is not giving me a direct line to you? What are the things that are distracting me? What are the things that are causing me to deviate slightly from pursuing you, God? I, I was talking with someone the other day that hasn't been attending church much um, lately, and, and I was just sharing with them my heart, and I said, you know, the, the issue in America today is really simple. It's all about distract, distraction and division. Let me distract you and then create division to creep in. We are so busy. 
We're so busy that, that, we, that we are easily deviated from the path that Christ has called for us to be on. Because there's always something good to do. So when we stop doing the, the good to do and start doing the God to do, then all of a sudden then we'll be back on track and then the things that feed our flesh that seem to be good to do won't be as satisfying anymore. But, but that is our issue in maybe not just America, but I can tell you in a first world country like this, it is an issue. God just wants our undivided attention. So if you're not able to provide undivided attention to God, then you, then you need to repent. And, and the great thing is, is when you repent, it's as if that never happened anymore and you get to enter into his presence or you're refreshed. Ah, oh, refreshed. Who wants to be refreshed? As we, there's, as you study that section in chapter, or verse 20 of that chapter, it talks about the Holy Spirit refreshing us as Christians. It talks about the Holy Spirit refreshing us as individuals. But it's also, you'll study and it starts talking about how we as individuals then can go out and refresh a world. It's not to stop just with our own refreshing. But it's supposed to go on beyond that to us going out and being refreshing to a world that needs to be refreshed. A world that needs some R&R. And R. R. Repentance, redacting, and refreshment. That's my encouragement, my message for you today. If I could have the worship team come. As they're coming, I'm going to ask you to consider for yourself. Has God revealed to you in this morning service... Is there areas of your life that, I'm not talking about salvation. Yes, if you're not saved, oh, come join the family. But if you've been saved and you're thinking, there's some things in my life I just need to repent of. There's things in my life I've been hanging on to for a long time. In fact, it became my story. And God will accept you for who you are, but he wants to accept all of you undivided, and he wants you to be able to depart and and leave behind those things that are distracting you so you can focus purely on him. This is the place, this is the time that you're able to say, hey, God, I repent of whatever it is. Maybe it's a lack of faith. Lord, I I heard, well, I think it was this weekend we heard uh, the speaker, Hillary, talk about how she's praying for healing in her daughter's life, and it hasn't happened yet. But she's trying to stay in this place that that she's still believing for the healing. She has faith in the name of Jesus for the healing of her daughter. Maybe that's you. Maybe maybe you have prayed the name Jesus, but you didn't quite understand the, the entirety of Jesus. You weren't necessarily considering the fact that when I say in Jesus' name, what that really means. That means with all the power, all the authority, everything that's available from God himself in his name, be healed. 
Oh, that's a lot of power. <laughs> but then we get these little things that creep up like trees in our life. Well, but, you know, they, I don't know. Can he do it? Yes, he can. See, and, and, he, and he wants to. You know why I know he wants to see people healed and people set free over and over and over again? It's because with this, the simple healing of the lame man, many things occurred because of that. The lame man was healed and Peter spoke to thousands. God was adding to the church daily by the thousands. And then after that, because the layman gets healed and he's preaching Christ and Christ crucified, he gets thrown in jail, you see in chapter 4, for, for preaching something that is truth and not the deviation they had started to follow. And they said, no, the deviation is truth, this isn't, and they were wrong and we were right now. And so they said, you, you're not preaching truth. Yes, we're preaching truth and here's the proof of it. Well, we're still throwing you in prison. So they throw him in prison and then they say, well, he is healed, so just quit preaching and go your way. But, but what happens is, is people's lives were being changed as the message was being preached. And the message was given way to be preached because of the healing and the power of the Holy Spirit that happened in the lame man. So when doubt, doubt creeps in and says, no, power for today is not relevant, wrong. It's absolutely relevant. It's what gives way to the message of truth that needs to be preached. We have to embrace the power of the Holy Spirit and know that when we pray in Jesus' name for healing, pray in Jesus' name for deliverance, pray in Jesus' name for victory, it will happen. Why does it happen? Because the power of God is all-powerful. Oh, just think about the power of God. That's the same power that can have power over anything and everything in this life. And it gives way to the beautiful message of repentance, the blotting out, redacting, and refreshing that we all can have in life.